Hey everybody, this is Jeff Ashkin in Los Angeles, California with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. This is Coast to Coast to Coast. If you could give a piece of advice to somebody graduating high school today, what would you say? The piece of advice I would give to someone who's graduating high school today is, um, I guess for me, I didn't, I didn't realize how my life would be after high school compared to how it would be for the time after that, like in my late twenties or early thirties. Um, being in my thirties now, I guess the biggest surprise going from twenties to thirties, I remember the day I became 30 and I was pretty bummed out. <laughs> the fact that <laughs> my twenties were over and just the thought that there's no way to ever go back to being in your twenties. Like that whole <laughs> decade of my life is gone and everything I wanted to do in my twenties, it's set in stone. Um, it's a pretty de pretty uh, definitive way of thinking, but I mean, that's the way it is. And uh, I guess though, I didn't realize how much I would enjoy my thirties. I enjoy my thirties for very different reasons than I enjoyed my twenties, though. Um, but the thing that I enjoyed about my twenties, especially my early twenties, was the fact that you have so much freedom and. The freedom is basically there because um, you don't have a lot of responsibilities yet. And when you, as your life continues, you accept more responsibility. And like going from your 20s into your 30s, there's no way under, I mean, sorry, I mean, there's very few circumstances circumstances where you will go back to having less responsibilities. Um, whether it's career-wise, family-wise, or just what's expected of you um, based on where you are in your life, um, the, the weight on your shoulders is gradually going to grow. And I guess, you know, while I was in my 20s, I enjoyed my 20s. I enjoyed my time in college. But I guess the thing I didn't realize was how that time in your life is so transient and it's never going to come back. And uh, there's just so much you can do during that time that you won't be able to do at any other time in your life. So I guess the advice that I would give is just, or just, um, what I would say is just understanding that um, if I could go back in time and tell myself like what it's going to be like in, in your thirties or after you graduate college or whatever it is, um, I don't know. It might've changed the way I acted or it might've changed some of my decisions. Um, not that I regret anything, but I guess it, I just didn't real. I, I guess I just didn't fully realize at the time how 
limited that time would be and how you're not going to get it back anytime after that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's hard to, um, it's hard to say for me um, if I would have done anything different because I, I do like the way things have turned out. Um, especially, you know, I was, I was really gunning to be uh, successful before I turned 30 by making films and being a successful writer, director, actor. In light of everything that's happened in the world, I'm actually glad I didn't become famous right now because I think there were some political correct things that uh, I wouldn't have picked up on. <laughs> they and, would have went back into your Facebook yeah. history. <laughs> well, not just for Facebook, but like some of my sketches and some of, you know, maybe some things that I may have uh, written that are just not politically correct now. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm not famous. Um, I'm just gonna say, uh, because I feel like people who are famous and had some problematic things are not famous anymore, and they're they're being fallen by the wayside. So. Anyway, I just want to say that I, I understand what you're saying, Derek, and and I think that's a great bit of advice. Roy? Yeah, I saw uh, David Spade, the legendary comedian. Uh, <laughs> he's not that good. But uh, he did say that um, back when he was on SNL, that if they could dredge up his history of things that he said prior to SNL, that he wouldn't be on SNL. Actually, he said none of the cast members would have been on SNL at the time, like him, Sandler, uh, Chris Rock, Rob Schneider. Like, like none of them would have made it to SNL if, if somebody dredged up their past and uh, posted it for the world to see. So, yeah. yeah. Different. Oh, well. Different time, man. Uh, who wants to go next? Well, I guess... It's kind of a go. good segue into yeah, my. Go. I actually had two answers. Kind of cheated. Um, All right. Well, you can go next. How's that? The the first one was uh, to keep your social media footprint as small as possible. Uh, I wrote preferably non-existent. Um, <laughs> I I wholeheartedly agree. I, yeah, I, I would not be on Facebook. I would. I mean, I am on that now, so I'm a hypocrite. That's. I'm like. I'm in too deep. There's. There's like nothing. <laughs> I'm just trying to warn the future generation. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be on Facebook. I would only be on Instagram if if it helped your career. Like if you were like a photographer or something. And I, I guess. I would, what's that? I would just add to that. Uh, one of the best bits of bits of advice I got with social media: treat it like a resume. You know, if you wouldn't want yeah. it on a resume, or you're or someone would ask you about it in a job interview, you know, you don't want to be like, oh yeah, that I should take it that day. You know what I mean? You don't want that to be something that you're embarrassed by at a job interview. All right, sorry, continue. Yeah, I've also heard about the Jumbotron test, which is like, if anything you posted on social media was put on the Jumbotron at a football stadium, uh, would you be embarrassed by, by it? And uh, if it is, then don't post it on social media. But... <laughs> Yeah, I would say just don't don't get on it. Um, but that actually was that was like my runner up answer. Um, my main answer, which I think is a little controversial, but I said that um, if you find somebody in college that you love, like you're in a romantic relationship with them, and uh, and they seem like a good fit. 
they come from a good family. Uh, they have good values and whatnot. Uh, you should marry them. Like you should not feel that, oh, I'm so young and I need to sow my wild oats or like I'm, I'm too young to settle down. I think that's all malarkey. And I think, because my experience is that it got way, way, way harder after college to meet people. Um, and I mean, in the end, it, it worked out. It worked out for all of us, I guess. But, um, but man, the effort involved, like, whew, like it was not, it was not fun. It was not a journey. Like, like it was just hard. And um, yeah, when I think of how much easier it was to meet people in college, and like, if my attitude is like, man, I wish I had taken care of that earlier in my life. Um, which is not to say that, you know, you should just pick somebody. Um, you should still be very um, uh, meticulous in, in finding the right person. But the notion, like, I would never leave somebody because I felt I was too young or not ready or something like that. I, th I think that's a bad reason if you think that you're with the right person. I think you should stick with them. Um, yeah, and then, you know, 10 years later, if it doesn't work out, you divorce and... Uh, stuff is starting there. I don't know. Yeah, Derek, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think what Roy's saying makes sense. Uh, I think um, I definitely think also the fact that living in a big city changes your outlook on like finding the right person. Um, just because there's so many options you have the idea that there's there might be someone better than the person you're with and i think i think that just makes it really hard to to date someone or to, to find like the right person like you know jeff you being in los angeles roy being in the new york area and you know i mean i'm in, i guess i'm in i'm in a big city too but i mean things are a little different over here but um like i think yeah i mean if if there's someone that you're that you feel that strongly about in in college, I or yeah in high school. Did you mean in college or high school? You mean even in high school? Uh, college. Right? Yeah. Uh, I meant. I didn't think about like if you already with someone in high school. Uh, yeah, this is more somebody it. going to college, and then treating college like uh like now it's four years of uh, you know, getting down. Which <laughs> I, I think it's like a bad way to treat college. <laughs> All right. Um, that's that's what the kids say, right? Getting down. Yeah. Uh, we still, that part I don't know if they still say that. Um, never, never mind. Okay. Let me let me restart. Let me rephrase what I was saying. Actually, I'm just going to change what I was saying. I think I disagree um, a lot with what Roy's saying because hey the person who I was when I started college and the person who I am now are pretty different. <laughs> like, really? I don't know if I would want to hang out with the person I was in college. I hung out with Wait, you. Yeah, we hung out with that person. <laughs> what, the, what the hell, Derek? Jeez. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I think we have, all three of us have developed evolved together. Since then evolved together? through life experiences to become the person who we are now. And I think, 
if you're dating someone out of high school or even at the start of college, um, you're going to grow over the next, you know, let's say 10 years. Um, and the other person will grow too, and you may not necessarily grow in the same direction. So I think it's kind of, I think you have to be very careful with that. Um, I completely agree with the difficulty of it and the um, inconvenience of trying to find someone once you've already started your career, unless you're lucky enough to find someone in your workplace that you can actually easily spend time with regularly. Um, it's definitely a lot harder to find someone uh, once you've like started your career and have like actual responsibilities. But I would kind of advise against um, settling too soon. I just think that I made some premature decisions and uh, due to a, a lack of proper wisdom or life experience at the time. And uh, are you speaking generally or romantically? Um, more romantically. I mean, I think that my life experience in general would, I mean, sorry, I think the decisions I made in general have led me to where I want to be now. So I don't regret anything in that area. But romantically, I think I just didn't understand enough how relationships work. I didn't take into account like the long term. And uh, again, I just think that I was, I was really immature in certain areas back then. And the person who you're with might, might not be I mean, it's lucky if you if you grow together and in the same direction, then I think right. that's great. But I think there's a good enough chance that that won't happen. Yeah, no, that's a possibility. I, I guess for me, it's like I, I just don't feel like you should put any sort of limit. On, I mean, if you if you're thinking that most people may not mature by college, then I get that. But I do think that you know, some people will mature at obviously at different times. And if there is someone you meet at college, maybe don't get married, or but maybe you know, explore a little bit, but still uh, reconnect with that person, and maybe that is the person, and maybe when you are keep, mature, you can rekindle that relationship if that's possible. If they both agree on it, you know, it's a keep keep their number in your keep their number phone. in your Rolodex. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think, Roy? Now that Derek disagrees with you, you guys can still be friends <laughs> or what? No, I, I I know I knew beforehand that that's like the counter argument that that you know you kind of have to discover who you are and and find yourself and and mature. Um, yeah, I, I just think you have to keep your eyes open because um, I I think there's a belief that that oh there's always there's I mean there's plenty of fish in this I guess there's plenty of fish in the sea, but it's very possible that the best fish was somebody already in your life um and it would be bad if if the only reason you ended it was because you felt well there's probably something else out there waiting for me um right. I, I think you should kind of live life with eyes open um yeah. on the lookout yeah I agree with but that. yeah i mean to derek's point uh you could also make a mistake <laughs> so yeah um <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So watch out for that. Keep your eyes open for that too. All right. Well, with that in mind, I wanted to get to my bit of advice that I want to give somebody graduating, and I it's it's sort of related. Well, I don't know. I guess it is. But uh, I would tell anyone graduating high school today, the most important piece of advice that I would give is to not lose your temper with others. Uh, getting angry or throwing a fit or yelling, for me, never makes the situation better. Now, of course, I've gotten angry before, and of course, I'll, I'll get angry again, of course. But I've never had an argument where I felt that getting really angry made the situation any better or made me feel better afterward. What I would do and what I try to do is try to approach uh, everyone with kindness regardless if they show it or not. And as was that the quote of Henry James, the three things in human life that are important, the first is to be kind, the second is to be kind, and the third is to be kind. Now, of course, you know, easier said than done. I know sometimes, you know, if you get on the phone with somebody and, and you know, uh, customer service doesn't understand what you're talking about, try not, don't lose your temper, realize where they're coming from, just try your best to be kind. You'll thank yourself later. Trust me, it's never. It never got. It never makes me feel good thinking about times that I got really angry. It never, it never does. I never feel good about it. So that would be my advice. I agree, hundred percent. To be kind, um, I do think it's amusing because sometimes doing that has the effect of enra enraging the other person <laughs> that you're talking to uh, when they see like how composed you're being, and yeah. they they feel their emotions. Uh, you know, ramping up, and when they see you're not reacting, it, it, it gets them even more unnerved. It is nice if you're able to just rein in your emotions and be, uh, you know, uh, the better person. Just try your best to be kind. If you're looking for a fight, uh, you're it's it's usually it's not going to work out. That's all I can say. <laughs> you know, so I had a an experience. Uh, I was in the gym, and. Uh, I yeah, I got upset because I, I forgot to appreciate how healthy I was, you know, and I took it for granted. <laughs> so I got upset because um stupid reason. I had um I just changed the grip on one of the machines at the gym. It, it was I, I walked around the entire gym to find this grip, which I then took back to the machine and, and set it up. And then I left to grab a towel to wipe down the machine. And from the time I went to grab a towel to when I came back, somebody else took the grip to use on a different machine. Like he just took the grip. And um, yeah, I was really mad. And I said like, hey man, I was just about to use that. I'm using that. And, uh, and his reaction, he was like, oh, right, man. Like I didn't know, how would I know that? And then in my head, I was like, yeah, how would he know that? How would he know that? <laughs> I was, and then I, I felt really dumb. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, I've had a long day. I'm sorry about that. And he was like, yeah, no worries, man. No worries. And, uh, and did he walk yeah, away with it? <laughs> and then he took the grip. Yeah. And then he reported me, and I'm not allowed back in the gym. Um, it all worked out. <laughs> no, no. He, he gave me the grip back. And, uh, yeah, I was able to do the exercise. Yeah. And uh Yeah, it was I, I realized how silly it was to have gotten upset um for for no reason. Yeah. That's nice. I like hearing that. Because like I said, I mean it it 
it does. We're so used to, I think, uh, you know, seeing people fighting that if it, it almost it, it almost uh, let it almost confuses people when you say, you know what, hey, I, I'm sorry, man. Uh, you know, let's, yeah, I mean, it, it's so weird. It's not. It's such a. It almost comes out irrational if you do that because you're not, you know, trying to be alpha male. You're just trying to de-escalate a situation, and if you do it in a very calm way. You're right. I mean, it could enrage somebody, or it could actually you know, make things better. And look, you made a friend. So there. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I realized I was in love with him, and uh, <laughs> I, I put a ring on it. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. But um, yeah, Derek, do you have a story? <laughs> no. I just I was going to add, like, we're. I think we're so used to seeing conflict in uh, TV shows and movies that it's kind of a way that a lot of people expect to resolve a situation. But in real life, it's like like 99.9% of the time, it's better to avoid conflict than to instigate it. Right. Yeah. I will All say, right. though, <laughs> I do have a friend who, um, who avoids conflict uh, to the detriment of... Uh, <laughs> so, so, like... Uh, if she listens, she probably knows that I'm talking about her. Um, but uh, there's like there's avoiding conflict by de-escalating and and like being kind. That that's like the proper way to avoid conflict. And then there's avoiding conflict by letting a problem fester and and like never addressing the problem and just like pretending that it'll go away if you never talk about it. And uh, right. yeah, this friend will tend to do that and then when it blows up in her face she'll be like my problem is that i'm too nice and, uh, <laughs> it's like no you weren't you're just like afraid to address the situation i um, think we've talked about it before but um the movie inside out is so interesting um one of the things that it can teach you is the importance of the anger emotion and how if you don't have any anger emotion at all, you, you'll end up hurting yourself. And it's important to have, it's like, it can be important to express anger at certain times. Um, that completely goes against what Jeff just said. So, <laughs> or that, but. <laughs> well, not, not necessarily, because what I'm saying is with other people, you know, it's not saying you shouldn't be angry at all. I mean, like I said, I, I've been angry before and I'll get angry again. That's not it. It's that when you're with somebody and you get into an argument with them, try to find a way of resolving it without getting really, really pissed. Yelling at them or threatening them or, you know, just getting ugly. And I feel like a lot of times there's this, uh, there's this feeling that we should, uh, like I said, this alpha male or as alpha female, um, it's basically this, this overt alpha that we need to exert, exert ourselves because we've been disrespected. And a lot of times it's not about disrespect, it's just about confusion or miscommunication. And if you just step back and take a moment, take a beat, take a breath, think about what's going on, you can usually figure out that the person A doesn't know what you're talking about, was mis miscommunicated, or just maybe not the right person you should be talking to right now. I mean, a lot of times I would say a lot of frustration, I'd say customer service, as someone who's been on the other end of customer service, <laughs> and I've done customer service, 
you know, a lot of times I'd have people call in uh, and ask me about uh, a situation that I knew was a problem and they just really wanted to vent. And I just had to let, let them vent a little bit. And then once, and I said, hey, look, we're working on the situation. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you updated. That was it. As long as they know that you're trying, uh, then I feel like a lot of times they were satisfied. So it's not about not getting angry. I think anger is good. I think all emotions are good. You know, you can't, you know, people say, I wish, you know, I wish I could just be happy. Well, you know, happiness is not something you constantly every single second of the day. It's like, you know, sadness. Happiness, it is with drugs, man. <laughs> yeah. Take the but right all, drugs. All, all emotions flow through you. And anger, of course, is one of them. And of course, there are things going on that I'm very angry about right now. But I'm just trying to find a kind way of pursuing them by being firm and, you know, being firm, direct. Just don't get angry and all pissed off and say things you might regret later. That, I think, is the difference. When you tell that person who's complaining to you, uh, oh, we're looking into it, are you, are you really looking into it? Are you just saying that? <laughs> and me personally? Um, <laughs> no. Uh, well, there was a text. The thing is, I was in customer service, but the tech department was downstairs. And, of course, they would look into it, and I would just, uh, I would just pass the note along. Pass it, pass it along, but I would definitely, I would never say we're looking into it if we really weren't. I would say I'll look, I'll check into yeah. that, and then you know, because I wouldn't want them to think that I was just big lip service, you know. Right, um, right. So does that make sense, Derek? It makes sense. Okay, all right. Because I was getting, I was getting really pissed off for a second. And I was like, man, <laughs> I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, did you have anything you wanted to bring to the table? Uh, yeah, uh, I guess I would just like to recommend a YouTube channel that I've been following lately called Listography. Uh, mm. Not getting any any benefit out of plugging them except for the fact that I enjoy their content and I think that they deserve to get more views. Uh, so if people are interested, um, I'd recommend checking them out. So. It's uh, three guys who just rate albums, basically, but they do it in um, an interesting way. Which they they'll take like one artist and they'll they'll rate their whole discography in order of their worst albums to their best. And um, I know there are other channels that do that, but the the people who do it they're um, they're they're really knowledgeable about music and i think their points are like really sharp and their analysis is really in depth i've watched similar channels where people rate their favorite albums from an artist but usually they're just like i like this album because it has this song on it and this because it has that you know it's they're not like that in depth but i think um with listography i i really like the way that they um pick apart exactly why like one album is better than the other and um, they have a particular focus on like classic rock um like they do like the beatles and queen and um the clash and you know a lot of those like not so much it's a more focus on like older music than newer music although they do do um they did like the shins recently and so they do do some newer bands too but you know they also do some other videos not just the album rankings but like 
their favorite songs of specific artists and, and stuff like that. So um, I just, I think this channel has really helped me uh, discover new music, uh, both from artists that I've known about, but also from new artists that I didn't know about. And uh, yeah, I just, I think it's, I think it's really good, good way to discover new music if that is something that you want to do. Cool. It's called listography. Listography. Yeah. What is the worst Beatles album, according to them? The worst Beatles album, according to them, and according to myself as well, is uh, Yellow Submarine. Only because it's less of a proper studio album. It's it, the, the Beatles had a, an animated film, The Yellow Submarine. Um, 1967, I think, 67 or 68. Uh, they had already released the song Yellow Submarine on Revolver a couple of years earlier. So that was not actually the origin of the song Yellow Submarine. So what they did was they took a couple of pre-release songs and they took a couple of kind of unpolished, maybe like non-A material songs and then threw that on the side A of the album and then side B of the album is just um, George Martin's orchestral score of the film, which is good. But um, compared to the other Beatles albums, it's not as good. So it's kind of like an unfair choice because it's not a proper studio album, but that's what my choice was. And then it's what, he, what they chose as well. Um, one thing I like to do when I watch the videos before I watch it, I like rank the, vi the albums myself and then I watch theirs and see like how they compare. It's kind of fun. According to this, it was released in 1969. Looked it up here. Okay, so wow. it was later. Yeah, which I didn't realize it was so late in their careers because I know that well, by the end of the year, or 1970, they were broken up. So, yeah. So yeah. in 1969, you know, they were they were doing um, the Let It Be sessions and the Abbey Road sessions. So like they weren't really looking at the the material for the Yellow Submarine album. They weren't taking that too seriously. So that's why that was kind of released as like a sub par Beatles album but still I mean it's a great you know it's got great songs on it so I don't want to dissuade people from I don't want people I don't want people to think that I dislike it but you asked what the worst was so what's the worst, the worst the Beatles, what's the worst Beatles song <laughs> I think that's gonna depend on I think people have different ideas of what the worst Beatles song is if you're someone who strays more towards John Lennon's um, John Lennon's artistry, you're probably going to dislike songs like Hello Goodbye, which were like heavily by Paul. Or, or if you're more of a Paul fan, you'll probably dislike songs like Revolution 9, which are yeah, experimental. So like the cool thing about the Beatles is like there's different extremes and there's different extents to which they work together. And then later in the career, obviously, they kind of drifted apart. And you can see that, especially on, like, the White Album. So it's completely subjective. I don't think they have a worst song. I think just depending on what you enjoy from their music, that'll depend on what you consider the worst and the best. Love Me Do. <laughs> you had that answer yeah. lined up. Uh, that was locked and loaded. It's not the that worst song. I like that song. Yeah, it's pretty shitty. Um, no. I, I have a funny... Uh, Beatles story. Um, I was in the car with my mom. Uh, I was in my car. And uh, my mom, you know, grew up with the Beatles. 
and she's a pretty big Beatles fan. Uh, but she hasn't heard every song by them. So we were in my car, and I was playing my iPod, and it was playing a "Why Don't We Do It in the Road," you know, you know that song. And yeah, the, the lyrics are like, <laughs> "Just why don't we do it in the road?" Like he says that over and over again. And my mom is like, "What is this? This is disgusting, filthy. Who is this?" And I'm like, "It's the Beatles." And she's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, it's not that bad." <laughs> like. She changed her opinion when she heard it was the Beatles. But yeah, it's funny because it's like a filthy song when you think of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah my, my uncle, who's obviously a huge Beatles fan, he told me that he, what he considers the worst Beatles song is, in fact, Why Don't We Do It In The Road? So I think, okay, if you're trying to find the worst Beatles song, I think the best place to look is the White Album, just because it has the most variety. That makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't sound like typical uh, Beatles over. Yeah, yeah, and like what what everyone picks as the worst song, it's going to be different for each person, right? There's not like one terrible song. It's just like depending on what you enjoy out of the Beatles, that'll determine what it is. Oh, there. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I really don't like that song, Honey Pie. That's from the White Album, right? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't like wait, that. Wait, wait, how's it go? Just like, wait. Honey pie! <laughs> no, 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 you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty good. You're wrong. Wait, wait, no, wait, I need another listen before I continue. That's how it went. No, it no, like, let, let me say something. Okay. <laughs> just listen to me for and a it second. Just says that over and over again. No, that, Roy, there's two songs there's Honey Pie. And there's wild honey pie. You're thinking of wild honey pie. Oh. Yeah. I I honestly I like both honey pies and I like why don't we do it in the road? I don't think they're they're bad. I think But you I, don't like Love Me Do. I don't like Love Me Do because <laughs> I'm like I just don't feel like I feel like it's just very reductive. It's just kinda like, you know, it's it's basically the song that I feel is not as interesting or as fun. As the other Beatles songs, and I love the Beatles, of course, you know, but I just I don't I don't I don't care much for that song. I just feel like, okay, I get it, you know, you no, know, love me do, okay. How about love me too? That that makes more grammatical sense in my mind. Anyway, we're gonna cut this all out, but we're, we're, we're gonna cut this all. Yeah, this, I don't know how we got on the subject of the Beatles because let's face it, in case I don't cut this, we all love the Beatles. No, no disrespect, of course. We just you know. And Except even if- for Wild Honey Pie and Love Me Do. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Roy, Derek, and I are going to take a break from podcasting, but if you'd like to send us an email, please send it to coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail.com. That's coast the number two, coast the number two, and then coastpodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate all your comments, suggestions, and subscriptions. So please take care of yourselves, and I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>